1: Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Inside the Beltway this morning with Senator Joni Ernst of the great state of Iowa. Good morning, Senator Ernst. How are you? They Good had to you? on with you. Thank you. I, I want to begin by asking you about the headlines this morning that Democrats are attempting to write both a billionaire's tax oh, uh, uh, language and an amnesty proposal into legislation that you haven't seen, I assume. No. What could what could go wrong, Senator?
2: Oh, heavens, what could go wrong? Absolutely. Everything could go wrong. And we we have been discussing some of these proposals that the Democrats are coming up with. And, of course, you are absolutely correct. We haven't seen anything in writing, which is very typical uh, around this place. But what they're proposing is, you know, the billionaires could be taxed on what's called unrealized capital gains on their liquid assets, meaning, um, you know, wealthy billionaires, uh, they would be taxed on Things like uh, stocks or other assets like real estate, where they actually haven't seen any money yet, it's, it's unrealized. Well, how do you do that? And what happens if you lose money in your stock portfolio? Does the government give you money back? Um, it's it's a crazy scheme. And I guess we 'll just have to have i r s agents living with billionaires so they can figure all this stuff out
1: what i 'm most worried about, Senators, is they shoot for billionaires and they hit uh millionaires and by that, I mean there are people who own a lot of land, especially in your state, who are yeah. farmers who are land rich and income poor. I also cash understand poor. that there are yep. some yeah cash poor mm-hmm. there are some people who are going to be uh, build on income, which is a terrible way to tax people on income because income doesn't mean anything unless you know how much the expense ratio is. But mostly I can't believe trying to rewrite the American tax code in secret. They need, they need the wisdom of the crowd here. They need a lot of people to look at this and you have, you're a Senator. You
2: haven't seen it yet. No, of course not. Hugh don't (laughs) be silly. Yeah, you, hey, this is important, and I hope people understand this, is so many bills that are being proposed right now at substantial cost to the American taxpayer and a radical uh, change from the way we do business across the United States is all being done in secret. It's not going through the typical, uh, the typical committee process, subcommittee process. It's not being presented in written form so that people can scrutinize it provide input. Uh, What they're doing is negotiating behind closed doors. We see that going on down at the White House and with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And again, this is a radical shift from the way we do business here in the United States. And it's not just the cost of the proposals they're putting forward, but it is the changes in policy which lead to socialism with a radical expansion of welfare programs.
1: And I also see the attempt by Senator Durbin, your neighbor to the the, uh, east, Uh, to to try and – Right in an immigration amnesty, and Senator Cotton has been warning about this. I never yes. really thought it was true, but it's reported today they're trying to even though the parliamentarian has told both sides of the aisle, you can't do this in reconciliation they're not giving up, and you can't see it so you can't raise an alarm
2: no and and again, all the negotiation in secret. And policy is not supposed to be wrapped up in this. It does have to be related to uh, the budget. However, we see they're trying, desperately trying to tie various pieces of immigration legislation into this bill. Now, um, we'll have to see what the text is, but we do believe it won't fit into reconciliation. But that doesn't stop the Democrats. Um, So they're going to try to pull whatever they can into this massive tax and spend bill. And uh, and again, radically change the way we do business across the United States. What
1: I what I really think is crazy, Senator, I love your comment on this, is that they say they are rushing to a deadline imposed by Joe Biden before he leaves to Glasgow, Scotland, for the climate summit. Think about that. He's going to get on Air Force One and fly four hours. And that is a deadline to go to a summit at which you will barely participate in, at which no binding commitments will emerge. And we need to write the tax code and respond. It doesn't make any sense. It's an artificial deadline to try and get your colleague Joe Manchin to shut up and sit down and try and get your colleague Kirsten Cinema to shut up and sit down. It's artificial.
2: It is artificial. And we see this time and time again where they set deadlines that have absolutely no meaning And they rush uh, through different pieces of legislation. Uh, So we see this once again with an artificial deadline of the end of this week. So here we are. We haven't seen any legislation. We're waiting on the House to act. And, you know, meanwhile, we're working on low-level nominees in the administration here in the Senate doing uh, the confirmation process and voting on these nominees on the floor when we have other really important pieces of legislation that need to get done, like our National Defense Authorization Act. That should be on the floor right now. We should be debating that, um, doing amendments to it, going through the regular process. And yet they keep putting that off, putting that off. That is one of the singular things that the federal government should be doing right now.
1: I also appreciate your efforts to keep a spotlight on the 363 American citizens and legal permanent residents abandoned in Afghanistan. You've met with John Androzic, You're talking about Afghan veterans. I really appreciate that effort, uh, Senator. Now I want to ask you about Facebook. There is a new Wall Street Journal story this morning about Facebook attempt to hire a prominent Democratic lobbyist. That's the headline. Mm. Facebook encounters challenge and bid to hire a prominent Democratic lobbyist. And they're going to pay this individual two and a half million dollars. And they're supposed to help Facebook out of their problems in D.C. Uh, and they've mentioned Valerie Jarrett and other people. Nobody wants this job. I, oh I, can, I can understand why. What is a uh, you're a senator. I mean, they're 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 shooting at you, the supermajority senator. What do you want in a lobbyist? To be a good lobbyist, because I know Mark a little bit. I've had dinner with him a couple of times and I I wouldn't presume to tell him who to hire. But I know that if you hire Valerie Jarrett, don't even expect anyone to talk to her.
2: Right. I think what they should be doing is finding somebody that is absolutely nonpartisan, um, somebody that walks that line of finding solutions and not gunning for the other party, um, trying to squeak by by assisting one party or the other. Uh, Facebook is in some some real trouble right now, and they have a lot of, of questions uh, directed at them that they have not been able to. To answer, and so this is a, a tough uh, situation that they are in. And again, it needs to be somebody absolutely nonpartisan. You know, they have struggled with answering why they only target uh, conservative thought on their platform, uh, not questioning thoughts coming from the other side. I I think they need to uh, relook who they're hiring and at what cost.
1: And now I, I also believe they're getting hammered by the left for not doing enough to prevent the the transmission of, of damaging information from both sides. I, I, they're, they're, they're in a pickle, and they, that's an old yeah. saying, but it's true. They're in a they, pickle.
2: They are in a pickle, and if you also go out and scrutinize not just what's going on here in the United States, but what they have allowed to happen in other countries um, with the promotion of religious hatred, um, it, there is so much wrong with Facebook right now. Uh, They have dug a hole. They need to throw out the shovel.
1: So let me let me talk to you about the kind of people you enjoy talking to and your staff enjoys talking to. I'm not a lobbyist. And uh, those times that I've been involved in trying to to talk to members of Congress, they usually talk to me because I don't ask for anything for myself. And I'm curious what. What do you welcome into your office? Who do you like to engage with on matters of policy that is lobbying? And that lobbying goes on every day. It's fine. People want to have their views understood. Facebook wants their view to be understood. But who do you as a senator like to see in your office?
2: Well, it's number one. It's always Iowans and they're regular people. And that's, I think, what a lot of folks fail to understand is, you know, we welcome folks into our offices. And Iowans come out nearly every day. I have a group of Iowans in my office, and they are lobbying me on different issues. And this is the brilliant thing. And, And what I love is that we have regular people whose lives have been impacted by policy decisions. So they understand those policies and they understand how to make those policies better. Um, so they come in, they're always very well informed. They've studied the issue, they know the pros and cons, and they're able to present that to me. And so I think, you know, in a situation like Facebook, they need to hear from real people. And it it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. They need to hear from real people and have people that will reflect the overall views of the United States.
1: That that sounds like a 50-state strategy, to find voices from both sides of the aisle in all 50 states and have them work. Is that what works? That would work. (laughs) Okay, good. Thank you, Senator. I'll talk to you soon. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm Hugh
0: Hewitt.
1: Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Joined now by Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas. He's a little old-fashioned, but he wears it well. How are you, Senator?
3: I'm very well, Hugh. I hope you're well, too.
1: I'm great. I'm just back from Ohio. I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. But first, I have to say, you were right, and I was wrong. The Washington Post this morning has a headline, Democrats quietly scrambled to include immigration provision in social spending bill. I assume that after the Senate parliamentarian told them they could not do that, They would stop trying to do that. And you said, no, 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 they're up to no good. You're right. They're trying to put an amnesty into the reconciliation bill.
3: Hugh, the Democrats uh, will never stop trying to put amnesty in any legislation to include a taxing and spending measure where it obviously doesn't belong uh, because they are 100 percent committed to giving amnesty to illegal immigrants. Who have come here in violation of our laws and an affront to all those immigrants who waited in line and did the right thing and immigrated legally into our country. Um, the latest gambit, I think, is Senator Durbin, who never fails to put foreigners first and Americans last, trying to change the date uh, in which um, illegal immigrants can get uh, a green card. Which of course, the pathway to citizenship. Uh, I think the current law has that somewhere around the early 70s which obviously excludes almost everyone, um, and they want to update that to, say, 2010. So anybody who's uh, been here uh, since before 2010 will be able to get a green card. Again, in a taxing and spending bill. Now, this has no place in that legislation. It's a plain violation uh, of the Senate budgetary rules. I'm sure you can cook up some way in which it would have a budgetary impact, probably because of all the new welfare checks you'd be sending out. Um, But still, under the Senate rules, it is what they call merely incidental to the policy impact. this is plainly a massive policy change to implement the Democrats' open borders and amnesty agenda.
1: Now, uh, on a certain professional level, I have to say, nicely played to uh, Senator Durbin, the idea of changing a date and thereby rewriting the immigration law to, in in effect, loophole in the the Reagan-era amnesty to the current date. That's kind of brilliant, Senator Cotton. Just one date. Who would have noticed?
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and oftentimes, Hugh, immigration law is like that. Uh, it's a highly complex technical area of law and which changing one number or one date or, or one clause creates massive real-world consequences. But again, Hugh, just think about how unpopular the Democrats' argument is. They want to shoehorn a massive amnesty into a budgetary measure. So they have to argue that it has a budgetary impact. And why does it have that budgetary impact? Because you're going to make millions of illegal immigrants eligible for welfare checks and food stamps and heating assistance and public housing assistance at a time when many Americans are struggling to make ends meet. So the Democrats have to go out and contend that not only are we going to give amnesty to illegals, we're going to do so because it's going to make us spend a lot more on welfare payments. I don't think that's going to win many votes uh, next fall. It's probably not going to win many votes in Virginia next week if the uh, people uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia get wind of it.
1: You know, Glenn Youngkin is now described as being in a dead heat, and it all depends on turnout. That's legacy speak for Youngkin is ahead, and Terry McAuliffe is going down. We have to CYA. And I think it's pretty – I don't know if you've been out on the trail with Glenn Youngkin. He's got crowds wherever he goes. His bus tour is a – is a great success. He's surging.
3: Yeah, I've done a couple events uh, with Glenn Youngkin, who I think is a very good man and a fine candidate and will make a great governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, one of the venerable offices in our country, you know, held by great statesmen like Thomas Jefferson and James Monroe. Uh, And uh, I do think that Glenn is going to win next week in Virginia, in part because Terry McAuliffe is not just a washed up, crooked swamp creature, but because he has a radical agenda. You know, he said publicly, on television, that he does not think parents should have a role in their kids' education. Uh, He's standing behind school boards who are sweeping underneath the rug rates of young girls because it interferes with their transgendered agenda. Uh, To say nothing of Glenn's plans to actually help working families make ends meet during the Biden inflation by, say, eliminating the grocery tax that Virginia still shockingly has, unlike most states, and by making it harder to raise property taxes on working-class homes.
1: That washed-up, crooked, swamp creature line is really effective. But I kind of like Terry because he, he, he taped this ad for me once. Can you play
3: it, Adam? I'm Terry McAuliffe, and you should listen to the Hugh Hewitt Show every single day, the greatest radio show in the United States of America.
1: Now, I think you probably agree with that, Senator Cotton. So I've got to thank Terry, even as I point out Glenn Youngkin's going to crush him because of schools. I, I have yeah. I have family, and they are outraged over the quarantine rules in Virginia school.
3: They have no idea what they've
1: done to the suburban mom. Yeah, and
3: and Hugh, you know, there's other, you know, there's the um, statement that parents shouldn't be involved in schools. There's the quarantine rules and the masking rules, which are obviously not necessary if you look what's happening in other states or you look for that matter what's happening in schools across Europe. Um, There's the elimination of uh, the uh, advanced Uh, classes and programs they have at great and venerable public schools like Thomas Jefferson, one of the finest public schools in America, uh, which is also one of the toughest public schools to get into in America because they have selected admissions where you have to take a test and have a GPA standard and meet those. And why did they do that? It was because the administrators and bureaucrats in those schools thought there were too many Asian kids going to those schools. So they're quite Virginia has many Asian parents that want one your in our school that's doing like you. Uh right. the exact the exact the exact kind of policies that we started in this country years ago. But that's what Democrats have reverted to in many places across Virginia and across the country.
1: Yeah, keeping Asian American kids out of uh merit-based schools is a winning formula for nobody. And Democrats have embraced it. Uh, Senator Conn, I want to go back to immigration because in Ohio on Sunday night. Josh Mandel said, I'm against amnesty. I want the wall. I stipulated that. And I don't want any more legal immigrants in the United States who are eligible for uh, welfare benefits until every homeless veteran is housed. Uh, They're housing illegal immigrants in motels by the border, to which Bernie Marino, the charismatic uh, businessman from Cleveland, who is himself a legal immigrant, said, you know, Josh, you're wrong. They're busing the illegal immigrants all over the country, flying them to different places all over the country. Is that correct, Senator Cotton?
3: Uh, well, I didn't see the debate, Hugh. I do have it recorded because, of course, I never miss any appearance if you view it. I think that's uh,
1: important. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, they are trans- uh, transporting uh, illegal migrants all across the country. You saw the stories, uh, I think, about a week ago of uh, airplanes landing in the dead of night in places like Florida and New York State. And, you know, it's funny that they're doing this in the dead of night, suggesting that they don't want people to know about it when they keep trumpeting their immigration policy as humane um, and humanitarian in contrast to former presidents. Um, but they're also busting them across the country. You know, I've been to the border. I fly through Dallas and Houston airports uh, regularly to get home to Arkansas. And it's a very common sight uh, to see people holding manila folders. And written on the outside of that folder is. Uh, I'm a migrant who doesn't speak English. Uh, please help me find my flight. And then the flight number is written in on it. You know, that's wow. what our government is doing for these migrants and, and to the communities. Uh, they really have no say in whether or not they're going to be inundated with bus busloads or uh, plane loads full of illegal migrants who have no means of supporting themselves, who don't speak our language, who are going to put a tax on their hospitals and schools and housing and other public services.
1: That's what Bernie Marino was arguing. Uh, I will come back to that. Let me go back to something you were Uh, in the forefront of killing off the attempt by the reconciliation bill to uh, do away with stepped-up basis because Arkansas farmers and foresters and people across the country were deeply concerned with this. Now it turns out that Ron Wyden and his team are drafting some kind of a law about unrealized capital gains, allegedly only for billionaires, and they say only 800 people will draft it. Well, putting aside the merits of the argument, and I don't think they're very good of ever to tax unrealized capital gains. What is your level of confidence in their effective legislating so that unintended targets aren't hit by this?
3: I have zero confidence in the Democrats' ability to draft a highly complex, novel uh, tax on the fly just to satisfy their desires for three and a half trillion dollars to reckless noose. Um, you know, to to make it concrete for you, for your audience, an unrealized gain is when you say buy a stock in January at $100. You hold it through the end of the year when it's selling at $150. Now the government's going to say, oh, you have $50 in gain. You have to give us 14 of those dollars as a tax, even though you don't have the cash. Um, of course, people who are very rich often out of assets or taxed, shipped in assets who aren't taxed. So you could expect to see billionaires buying up private islands and horses and jewelry and paintings. Um, I guess if they're going to be buying paintings, that's probably good for Hunter Biden, though. So there's one upside. Hunter <laughs> Biden's new tax, but Hugh, this is just really the camel's nose under the tent. They're not going after 700 billionaires in America. They can tax them all they want. In the end, it's not enough to satiate their desire for more taxes to spend on more welfare. They want to get this tax written into law so in the future. They can start dropping it down further and further and further and for, further until they get to what they view as the golden goose, which is your 401k plan. In the and end, this is so if, if smart. Enough, this is, yeah, this is exactly it's good enough for billionaires. It's good enough for your 401k. And they're going to start taxing your 401k each year, making you pay those taxes on what you're putting aside for retirement.
1: Unrealized capital gains is the same for everyone, that they say it's a limited by income, it will go the same way as the income tax uh, went started with a little income tax on the wealthiest people. It's now on everybody's back. If unrealized capital gains are taxed, it will expand to everyone, not billionaires. It is the camel's nose. Only, I don't think they're even going to be able to write the law, Senator, because it requires competence to write a law like this, and they won't show anybody. When do you get to see a draft? Last question.
3: Yeah, and, and, and he, I mean, it's a good, uh, one good sign of that is that the uh, Democratic chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal, uh, who's been writing tax laws for 30 years in Congress, he opposed it in part Because it's a highly complex effort to write an entirely new kind of tax into the law. And the Democrats are doing it in secret, on the fly, while they're trying to juggle another $4 trillion of spending. Solely because they want that spending. So even if they do get it passed, um, one, it's probably going to have massive unintended consequences for our economy and for jobs. But two, it's probably going to be struck down as unconstitutional as well. This is the kind of taxing power that is reserved to the states and our system of government. And the federal government has never had the power to impose this kind of tax.
1: Senator Tom Cotton, on that note, thank you. You were right. I was wrong. I should never underestimate the perfidy of legislative uh, efforts by Democrats. I won't do it again. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, thank you. That concludes today's episode of the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did, and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview